God, the priest of the Israelites. Here you, here you both are on couch together. That's true. We were saying this is the final configuration. We've had all the other right. We've had all three of us separate. We've had me and Ayani, and then Josh separate. We've had you and Josh, and then me separate. Oh my and god! It's me and Josh. This will help us realize who's the best podcaster. Yeah, I think. What do you mean? Who's the best podcaster? We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> well, now that no, it's a competition, I have to take yeah. this very seriously. <laughs> now you're about to have some of the most galactic takes we've ever heard from you. Um, no, we're an ensemble, man. We can't be. No, it's 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 got to be the complete package. We we all have our roles that we play. As the um as the QAnon slogan goes, where one goes, we nope. go all. No, nope. you, <laughs> you butchered slogan? it. It's, it's where like, we go, one we go all, Josh. <laughs> Where we go one, we go all. I can see you. I can see you seeing yourself on the Zoom with such delight saying that. Is that actually their motto? Yeah. Yeah. That seems completely counter to everything that they believe. No, it's all about teamwork and working together. If you're a QAnon person, right? Is it? I feel like it's mostly just about listening to this one person. Look, they're fighting against Hillary Clinton and the pedophile satanic army. You gotta have, you gotta be working together for that. Exactly. Q is at the top, right? But they're all yeah. eagerly awaiting another another hint from Q, another Q drop. Yeah, you're not gonna fucking beat the satanic globalists if you don't do a couple of fucking rope swing exercises. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they got They have to conquer their inner. Oh, that's that would be so fun. A couple of QAnon trust fall sessions. Oh my god. They like rent a <laughs> QAnon challenge day. Yeah, they rent a like nice campground, like a retreat center. Uh-huh. And they just really get to know each other. Reveal um, some all right. secrets. Well, I think it's time to hop what's, into. You it. know it's not a secret. You know it's not a secret <laughs> is that this is the Smite Me podcast. Mm. That you're listening to right now. Um, I'm here with uh, my co-host, uh, Josh Marcus. I'm here. Our arms are touching. Um, in person. He's in my apartment. And yeah. on Zoom, uh, we have Ayane Hayashi. That's me. I'm on Zoom. I'm in the data space. No less, on Zoom. No less beautiful in the, in the digital world. I think I look better online than I do in person. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm hiding the fact I'm not wearing any pants. Oh, oh well, wow! That's that's really an eye of the beholder question. Um, but anyway, we also don't get your uh, your groovy smell. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> groovy baby, uh, groovy smell, my man. They say that music comes from the soul, but for me, it comes from the pits. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. His, you know, no one had a musk like him on stage. Um, uh, so I got smited the last week. I think it's fair to say uh, I got the COVID, the SARS, the SARS COVID nineteen. Damn, all in me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't honestly have much more to say about it other than. Uh, Do you have you know, a feeling of what it is you did that got you smote? Um, no, and that's kind of that's kind of an interesting part about it. Maybe like 
early on, I feel like it might have been quite easy to guess. Or, like, there was at least the notion that, like, oh, if I just changed this thing or did that thing, like, you know, I could have avoided this. But now I just think it's kind of in the water at this point. You know, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I will say conspicuously it happened when I uh, went to New York for my bachelor party. So, you know, I'm sure if I had done my normal routine, it wouldn't happen. But I don't know. It was worth it. Nice. Yeah. Big old party. I'm glad. Yeah, and I'm glad I got it in late 2022 and then early 2020. I mean, that would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a lot scarier would have. in 2020. Yeah, yeah, just the unknown of it. And actually a pretty mild case, so it's, you know, it's fine. I, uh, I didn't quite get smited, but I had like a funny Brooklyn Jewish experience. That's Which is that. <laughs> Some might argue that that's getting smited. Yeah, depending on who you are. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, I was hired on the old chore weasel, um, Task Rabbit, to uh, to go pick up this guy's this Hasidic guy's hat and take it to the the hat cleaner. The, you be careful this, like, with Jewish that thing. That shit is not cheap. Mm, this one, it wasn't like one of the nice nice ones. It was mm-hmm. like immediately just goes into razzing his client. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was careful. Don't get with me it. wrong. I mean, you know, he had swag, but just not. But the hat, I, I take it to this like Jewish clothing store where it's going to get clean, and I walk in, and there. I, I text you guys about this, but I walk in, and there's like twenty dudes facing east and davening. <laughs> Word. For like a while, and it was it was jarring, but it was cool. And then. I think they felt bad that I had to wait, so they washed the hat for free, which I, I mean didn't affect me. I don't care. I wasn't I wasn't paying for it, but <laughs> it was nice. You'd think they would see you and know that that's not yours. I would assume <laughs> that they know I'm not putting the hat on with like my tie dye hoodie. Um, <laughs> that's exactly but... what I thought you would be wearing too. You know who would wear uh, like an Orthodox Jewish hat with a tie dye hoodie? Uh, who were we talking about off? Uh, microphone is Pharrell polymath. <laughs> yeah, he would. Yeah, um, I can see that. <laughs> he would look yeah. good too. Um, and did you say they called him? They called you a sadiq, like a holy man. Yeah, they were like, all right. He was just said it very casually, like how the bodega guy calls you boss. He's like, all right, here you go, sadiq. He's kind of is pretty charming. Um, all around a very nice, uh huh, very nice experience. Nice. Mm-hmm. I um I the apartment where I'm staying right now is um in this neighborhood called kensington uh which is not too far from where john lives and like there are a lot of orthodox people there and i didn't really pick up on it and then there just kind of clicked that i was on just like block after block of minivan like every orthodox household just seems to have a minivan yeah you gotta have I don't know. you have yeah. multiple you have more than what some would argue is a reasonable amount of kids often. Yeah, I'm just saying van. it's a different lifestyle. And to see like a whole just like neighborhood of minivans shows you the power of the Jewish seed. <laughs> the, hus- the seeds and the Hasis. <laughs> the poppy seed. I'm like, I'm like imagining a very ultra-nationalist like Orthodox guy pointing at a row of minivans being like, look at what we have now! <laughs> <laughs> Look at what this? we were able to create for ourselves. <laughs> he like presses the button on the door and it just slowly slides there. They all slide open. It's like this one mm-hmm. seats nine. <laughs> yeah. 
This one has a DVD player in it. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to be cranking out kids, so many kids that you need a minivan. Ideally, mm-hmm. that you need more, that the minivan becomes not even enough. That's that basically, you're like, when... your, your first child initially just becomes the driver for the family. That's their career path. They're set. Right. It goes, <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way around. Kind of cycles every wow. seven. Every seventh child is the driver. You're you're the taxi. Mm-hmm. It's like um, at like certain companies, if you're there long enough, they give you a watch or whatever. But if you're if you have enough kids, they give you another minivan. Yeah, if you have enough kids, they just if you're the oldest sibling, they just make you one of the parents eventually. That's kind of they turn you into a car and the children ride on your back. And guess what? That's pretty much universal to all cultures. Is if you're the eldest child and there are a lot more kids coming, you just get to be a parent. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of just very human. So anyway, adventures in uh, Brooklyn Judaism, back where it all started. Back where um, Judaism started here in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's okay. There's like some crank out there who's probably like you know the Bible is like talking about where I currently live. I mean, a lot of people. Do and, that. Well, and it's but it's <laughs> yeah, in New York. Sure are. New York is what I'm saying. I mean, that's kind of that's no, what they're what like. <laughs> they think the land of Canaan is like you know Queens or something. That's not entirely dissimilar to some of the theology behind the Church of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons. It's not exactly it, but it's not exactly not it. I mean, it's just a few thousand miles off. Yeah. Missouri. It's the same thing, though, right? Yep. No, isn't it Utah? Well, no, Utah is where they pilgrimed to. It was originally going to be Missouri. Oh, weird. I wonder why that distinction needs to be made. I do. I wonder (laughs) why they started in Missouri and then had to go to... Utah. Oh, I actually know the reason why is because Joseph Smith pissed off a lot of people in Missouri. So you got to oh, keep going west. He pissed off yeah. a lot Dude, of people. I mean, why on do the you East keep Coast? saying Missouri? Because I have that's to how it's pronounced. <laughs> that's fifty-eight percent of people in Missouri. This is very scientific. Also pronounce it as Missouri, mm-hmm. and I feel like that feels more correct. This is just like when you were asking us about our craw earlier. Yeah, people people I in Missouri are all boy. up in their craws about how you say Missouri. <laughs> I feel like if I went to Missouri, to Missouri, <laughs> to if, Missouri. I, if I went there, they wouldn't like it if I said Missouri. Missouri? They would want me to say Missouri. No, I feel like that depends entirely on whether or not you believe that's how it's pronounced correctly. Yeah, I guess, yeah, the dividing line is truly about belief. Wait, so Joseph Smith burned too many bridges in in Missouri, and so he fled to Utah with the rest of the Mormons? Yeah, I don't think the actual fleeing to Utah and the establishment of Salt Lake City as, like, the, the Mormon capital, I don't think, I think that was Brigham Young shit. You know who else burned a lot of bridges? Was uh, Norman Finkelstein, <laughs> folks. He's got a new book out. <laughs> this man's got a new book out. Our buddy Norman Finkelstein called All Burden That Bridge When I Get To It, Heretical Thoughts on Identity Politics, Cancel Culture, and Academic Freedom um, by, wait for it, Norman X. Finkelstein. That's right. There's an X in his uh-huh. name now. Do we know what that means? Um, he was Norman I don't know. Just wanted Finkelstein to give you a little update before, right? on the boy. What was that? He was Norman F. Finkelstein before? I thought he was just Norman Finkelstein. Does the X, I know the X is like generally, it's like a, denotes a level of kind of like black liberation, black nationalism kind of affiliation ideologically, but like what's, what's the deal with the X? 
For for him particularly, I don't no, know. No, just but for 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 one. Before we get too conspiratorial, it could be his middle name starts with an X. I don't want to. No, his middle name is Gary. <laughs> <laughs> is it really Gary yeah. with an X? Gary's a weird middle name. Not to get Gary Norman Gary Finkelstein. That doesn't sound right. Is Gary short for anything? Gerald. But it's for him. It's just Norman Gary Finkelstein. To go first name Norman and middle name Gary is very interesting to me. I mean, he he already has two of the three Jewish most sounding names. He could have like he doesn't have to be like Norman Shmulevitz Finkelstein. But to replace something. Gary with X, ugh, that's great. That's... And yeah, the the cover for this book is all like neon and crazy looking to the point where you can tell by looking at it that like no <laughs> publisher in the world would have approved that <laughs> yeah. and that it's all no, publishers in his garage. presumably have people who look at things and approve them or not approve them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, he, this is like probably a full book of firing from the hip. I wonder, is he just still making residuals off of like some other shit that he's done? Because like I can't imagine anyone, even someone who like he might be trying to appeal to, like looking at the book and being like, this is something mm-hmm. I should get. I think he gets speaking engagements. Probably not a ton. I feel like, yeah, he probably gets a little bit of residuals from maybe, like, some early book of his that's maybe bought by some colleges or something for their classes. Gotcha. He's still blogging his fucking ass off, though. He blogs, like, every Ooh, This post days. is just called Totally Agree. Oh, and it's probably going to be some meme. He does make blog posts that's about That's so things. funny. His He does a blog post that just says Totally Agree, and then it's just a link to some tweet with some... Somebody confronting AOC about Ukraine, which, like, of course, that's that's if you're Norman Finkelstein and you see a video of someone confronting AOC about Ukraine, that's like it's like puppy videos for most people or whatever. Like, that's your <laughs> yeah. absolute bread and butter. He that man goes crazy for like a public a public confrontation. Like, like you know how you know how the algorithm, like your the page that it shows you of like stuff for you, it's all based on. It's all an algorithm, so it's based on like what you look at a lot. Like I can't imagine. I feel like what he his page just is confrontation after confrontation of like John. I don't know. How dare you? How dare what? you? I go to normanfinkelstein dot com and the first fucking post on there says we found a publisher. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> never mind. I'm spreading misinformation and lies. <laughs> Oh, oh my um, God! If you click on it though, it's just a, a link to buy the book. So maybe no, you're not of wrong. Course. He should come on the podcast and yell at me for lying. We can invite him. You said on episode fifty-three. <laughs> Ooh, wait! This seems... I had no publisher. However, from one Chinese American comrade to another, I hope he's not referring to himself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the X stands for like G. <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's also funny to take a two letter la- two letter middle name and just <laughs> abbreviate it to one letter. <laughs> to one letter, yeah. He's like I bet you know, okay, this is a bit of a tangent, but we all trust each other here. Um, you know how sometimes you'll go to a deli counter and you'll see the mounds of pre made like salads and like weird egg salad, you know, like tuna salad, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who actually goes to the deli and buys this stuff like norman finkelstein probably wakes up in the morning buys like the world's most disgusting tuna salad and then goes to his office and then just like types about aoc all day. <laughs> you know 
there I don't have a co- a, co- a a cogent thought on it. Just the 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 vaguely lefty version of just like complete reactionary bullshit is kind of like a a a, a, a particularly cringy one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why the relationship between him and Alan Dershowitz is such a beautiful one, <laughs> because they're kind of just like mirror images of each other in all these ways, where they're all just like angry, reactionary old men. They, I mean, they have very different politics, obviously, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, they're, they're both, both like sliding into decline. <laughs> I think they should get... But I, I want them to get together for one last debate before before one of them dies. I think it would be a shame if that doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So I got yeah. I went down a, a a path. There's it's by sublationmedia.com. That's who publishes the book. Um and Is that a white reggae band? So, <laughs> it's Sublation Socialist. Sublation <laughs> for the whole nation. <laughs> um and I clicked on it to get to their Facebook page. This is fucking stupid. But the second post from the top is just a giant thing that says penis envy. <laughs> Um, should we get into the book of Yehosh? <laughs> you don't want to talk oh, well, about real quick, I just want Joshy, Joshy namesake boys. Uh, oh, no, I don't want to cut you off. What's going on? Oh, no, I was just going to say real quick, uh, as we were recording, um, l- comedian Leo Gallagher died this morning, and so we just want to pay our respects. Um, don't think he was Jewish. Don't imagine he liked Leo the Jews. Gal- uh, that's maybe the Irish. Probably Irish. Leo Gallagher. Don't imagine don't he think- liked the Jews, but he's... Sm- Mashed the hell out of some watermelons, and uh, me and him had some conversations on Facebook Messenger when I was like a twenty-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed comedian, and he was a an insane old man on the computer who was talking to anyone who would talk to him. And uh, oh my god, I don't know who this is, but you're right, comedian Gallagher, famous for his watermelon smashing routine. It was a routine. You don't know about Gallagher? I guess what's the routine? Like I know he smashes it, but is there what's building up to it or is There's, it just I, No, I mean from what I understand like, you know what I'm going to do. From what I understand he says at least in the later years of his career. At first it was it was he would just go on stage and like tell his weird jokes and then smash a watermelon at the end. And then as his career went on he would like say more and more racist things and, and homophobic things and then still smash a watermelon at the end. Um, Interesting. And also, I think there was something where he had a brother who tried to steal his watermelon smashing act. Um, cannot confirm, but I believe that to be the case. Anyway. Um, well, it looks like he has destroyed confirmed tens of thousands of melons. And- <laughs> And that he has 13 TV comedy specials, the second most prolific of all time, right behind George Carlin. Yeah, wow. that's true. What the he, fuck? People would, like, come to his live shows wearing, like, plastic ponchos, like, sitting in the front row prepared to get water. <laughs> seems reasonable. Blown all over them. Um, it's crazy how there are certain things where you're like, man, they just don't make music like this like they used to or whatever. And then you look back at... Someone like Gallic, 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 Gallic,
of some, we'll some sorts. We'll live yeah. on forever. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say that Leo Gallagher smashed one more lemon that was the connectivity between your audio interface <laughs> oh, and man. your computer. Um, Come you on! Think Ayani, it's been, that was pretty good. Uh, I know it's been a while since we asked you for a musical drop. Um, w- do you mind turning that into like a house jam? That la- Even if it just lasts for like five seconds, I think that would be kind of a funny cold open. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah isn't it that. funny, however? And then we just start to party for a little bit. Anyway, what just <laughs> happened, audience, is that um, um, we had computer issues while we were talking about the death of comedian Gallagher, which can only mean that that was God telling us to get to the freaking Bible. He doesn't care about Gallagher. That guy's not in heaven. Let's get <laughs> this going. Yeah. Watermelons are living things. That's a being. Someone could have eaten that. Sorry. Um I'd just like to reiterate to to the audience my staunch belief that you should not laugh at people who are dead. Mm. Ioni respecter um, of the dead. Yep. Yeah, that's inappropriate and it's it's bad form. Yeah, we're in the book of Joshua, uh where we left off, you know, Joshua, successor to Moses. He's like, you know, rolling thunder through the land of Canaan, killing people, reclaiming the promised land. Um and kind of that was almost of that. A fucking that was almost a song right there. Rolling Thunder. Hey, through yeah. the land of Canaan. <laughs> I think Bruce Springsteen has a song about that. Yeah, and kind of more of that keeps happening this chapter. Yeah, so basically we, we hop off basically right after the heels of like the destruction of Jericho. Um, and what happens is that they say in the book of Joshua that somebody did some sort of unspecified naughty naughty. You know? Um, they and it pissed off the, God. What do they call it? The accursed thing? They did the yeah. accursed thing. They did and also took the accursed thing, and God's all pissed off, right? Doesn't tell anyone, but e kind of like what just happened with the gala, 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 come on. Um, <laughs> he just sits there and stews in it. <laughs> yep. God loves so, stewing. I love stew. So it's stew season. Uh, Joshua basically sends some spies to the next area called I. Um, and they come back and they tell him, look, this city, this is... This is fucking baby o'clock over here. They're pushovers. We don't even need to send the whole army. Just like a couple hundred people will be fine, you know? Um, so Joshua is like, hell yeah. Obviously, when I say Joshua in this, this Josh is Josh. Joshua is the biblical figure. Yeah. And don't you pretty, forget about it. Pretty clear. And Gallagher is the comedian. If you call me comedian. Joshua, I will freak out. He used to smash watermelons. Yeah. I remember I did once. You freaked out. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then anyways, basically, so they say it's going to be fine. Turns out it's super not fine, and most of the Israelites are routed and killed in the river by the inhabitants of Ai. Um, so Joshua flops onto the ground and yells at God and is basically like, what? How did this happen? Why have you forsaken us? I thought we were your chosen people. And God very coolly seems to respond like, hey, man, you know the rules. Get rid of unholy shit or else all of you are going to die. So they call an assembly, and a man names, uh, named Ahor uh, admits that he basically he took some nice. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't it didn't make me laugh reading it, but you saying it, <laughs> I don't know why you saying it got me. <laughs> I paused the thing because Ahor. I auto corrected to anchor. <laughs> so I guess I think I just hit that uh, that pronunciation a little hard. Um, Anyways, he admits he took a little, a nice little bit of Babylonish clothing. Babylonish, um, not Babylonian, ba- but Babylonish. 
Babalanesh. That's what it said in the Chabad translation. I don't know if I don't know. I feel like if you do ish, that's almost always kind of disrespectful, right? I mean, Jewish is famously <laughs> oh, pronounced that way. Oh, How disrespectful Ayani. is that? <laughs> it's no, it's not. Maybe. It's not great. <clears throat> well, like, well, I feel like Jewish makes sense because it ends in W. But if it ends in N, it should be I A N as a right Babylonian Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should not be Babylonian. So. Arkansan, not Arkansish. Like, just that's not what we're yeah. talking about. No, that's no, not it. Arkansas doesn't end in an It doesn't end no, in No, actually, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a lot of different cases where that's not the case. Let's not dra- dive down linguistics corner. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> My mind is through. expanding so rapidly. It's like, you know, I'm seeing seeing new horizons. Um, so they condemn a whore and basically... <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get us back on track. <laughs> They they condemn him and all his family and oxen and they stone them to death and then after that they set the pile of stones on fire because these people are are nothing if they're not if they don't tap into the idea of like what a show is. Don't they also um, hang so him from God a tree? Is, nope, other people they hang from a tree. Oh, as far bad. as I can tell. But that could be wrong. Maybe they didn't go into that in the uh Chabad. So God is satisfied and is like, hey, you can uh, go try that bullshit at I again and see, see, you know, see what happens this time. So the Israelites this time set an ambush. Ooh, ambush. Um, <laughs> and basically what they do instead is Joshua takes all the like the, the big part of the army and is like, hey, you guys are, are smelly. And they bait the people of I into attacking them. And then the ambush people, they go into the city and burn it down. Um, and then they all basically do like a pincer maneuver and they massacre the entire army of Ai and then they hang the king of Ai and they throw his body at the gate, bury him under stones. Uh, and then they say that no, like the destruction of Ai was so thorough that like you can still see it to this day and nobody ever lived there again. Um, yeah, to this day becomes one of the big boasts in this section. (laughs) We hear a lot about stuff happening like to this day. Yeah. Then they make peace offerings because these people are not without a sense of irony. <laughs> um, yep. And then they get to the... Do you guys remember the Cursing and Blessing Mountains that didn't make sense a couple chapters ago? That was a while ago, right? With, like, the donkey boy? That was boy? a while ago. I think that was still in the, to- the Torah. That was with, like, Balaam and Balak? And no, how the guy curses them? Boy. Oh, no. Donkey Boy is something different, but this is just basically one of the things they had to do, like one of their side quest missions was like, hey, you and like some people are in charge of cursing and blessing. Well, they get there and they redo the Ten Commandments scene um, and he recites all the commands from Moses. Yeah, he sits them down and reads the whole, like also the whole Torah, I think. It's terrible. It's yeah. awful. Very they just sat down crying. and did our podcast, but unironically. <laughs> yeah. They weren't even... Doing it in a detached, rebellious way. Can That's you imagine? Right. After this, basically, this is kind of like the new bit of the story. A bunch of these Canaanite inhabitants, um, which I'm starting to understand is, I think, if you're, if you're following along with the text for some god-awful reason, I think that they're uh, synonymous with Amorites, Canaanites, Amorites. I think they, they appear to be the same people. But um, the Jews have very little Amor for them. Go on, Ioni. Is something distracting <laughs> you? <laughs> That's an Amorite. I was trying to think of something there. 
So a bunch of the Canaanite inhabitants kind of are talking and they're like, hey, we might need to kind of form an alliance to, to get rid of these Israelites. This shit is getting a little gnarly. But these Hivites kind of have their own idea and they instead pretend to be ambassadors and they go to the Jews or the, the Israelites and they're like, hey, they dress in like really shitty rags and they like have all this moldy food that they're pretending is their provisions. And they're like, hey, we came from so far because we heard about how cool your God is um, and how crazy strong all you people are um, and how handsome you all are. And we're just we're here to basically be like, hey, look, we, we don't want anything. We don't want any trouble. So we're going to like swear to us now that we can be friends and we can be allies and I think the buttering up works and Joshua is like, hell yeah, we're allies forever. <clears throat> and then it turns out that basically they're not from super far away. They're these Hivites. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all pissed off because they're supposed to, you know, genocide the entirety of the inhabitants of this land. But now they just swore a pact with some of the inhabitants. So they decide that, like, look, word is word, right? Like, we made a promise. We'll protect you because we said it. But you all have to be slaves. Um and that's how it goes. Um, so that's that's a fun little thing that happened. Um, and then five kings basically formed the five-way alliance and they go to war with the Hivites who then are like, hey, Joshua, you say you will protect us. So the Israelites go to battle. They root the enemy. God sends down meteors and hailstones, um, mm-hmm. which is – we don't get to see too much of that anymore. But Oh, yeah. Like Joshua a, also asks God to keep the sun in the sky. <laughs> Right. So is it kind of like um, the Israelites, not to get ahead of ourselves, but is it kind of like they're fighting this like proxy war almost like on behalf of this other I country? F- like, you know what I mean? They like promised to protect this nation and now I don't know. I don't think it's so proxy. I think it's a little bit more straightforward. It's like a protectorate status, right? Or attacking an ally. Like the whole point of an alliance is that if you get attacked, like you and another person go to war. Right. Like that's like a proxy war would be like, oh, we're not actually at war with the Amorites, but we're going to like agitate here with the Hivites so that they do this thing. And that creates a thing. I think this is more just like, well, we made a promise to protect these people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't want to tie it too much to anything happening now. <laughs> um, proxy wars, I think, are, are a little bit more of a modern phenomenon in some cases. Um but yeah, basically, uh, it makes a note, too, that the, the meteors and hailstones falling upon the Amorites actually kills more people than the Israelites themselves yeah. do in the battle. Because, you know, everything to the big guy up top, baby. So then during this time, also, while they pursue the Amorites after they won the battle, Joshua commands that the sun and the moon stay still in the sky, which is wild. And then the what a um, diva, and it's less like God gives it to Joshua. Joshua says like I would like this to happen and asks for it, which is kind of a move we haven't seen so much from our, our leading men. Well, it even says, doesn't it even say in the text like this has never happened before and it will never happen again about like God directly responding to yeah. someone's prayers, which is wild for them to be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, God actually did something that someone asked. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. That shit never most, happens, bro. It's the most video gamey I think the Bible has gotten, where it's just like, oh, yeah, do you didn't know he had this ability to just tell God what to do? Very Star Wars The Force Unleashed style combat happening. Yep, just fucking raining 
raining shit from the sky. Um, so there's a fun little linguistic thing too, where they say that the sun stays over the valley of this and the moon stays over the valley of that. And it's like, those are way too close to each other. I'm sure for that to make any Mm -hmm. sense, but they've only been, (laughs) they've only been within like a few hundred miles radius of any given place. So that's not going to be possible. Um, Hey, all things possible by the will of the Lord. And apparently Joshua, Mm-hmm. This one, yeah, time. this one guy, Joshua, <laughs> once one time, you get one. Um, Moses never got that, by the way. In all of his years, Moses never got that treatment. And then Joshua gets in. God is like, "Ah, oh, you're my special little little lad." There's a feeling that like God did it, and it's like, "Ooh, that was a little icky." I don't really like people telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, so then they basically, they imprisoned these five kings that, that rode against them in a, in a cave, and then they trot them out, and they have the soldiers stand on their necks, which is, I think, just a, a humiliation thing, and then they hang them. They hang them. Um, <laughs> hanging's been around for a long time. And then basically, they kind of just yada, yada, yada their way through Joshua destroying a bunch of cities in Canaan. And they keep kind of being like, this one is this one. And everyone was fucking killed. And then they went over here and everyone was fucking killed. Yeah. And then they went over here and almost everyone was killed. But a couple people got out. And then they went. <laughs> and I think that definitely speaks to uh, the thing that we were talking about with the last time we were covering Joshua is this to me sounds 100% like making up a reason for why. Like there's that theory that they haven't really done all these wars and this is more them just migrating into a, an area that's gone through a, a period of collapse. Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds like a period of collapse because they're just like, yeah, like I think in a week, like 20 cities, we just completely obliterated, bro, because we're that cool. Right. Where right. That to me sounds like probably there wasn't many people hanging out there anymore because of whatever had happened earlier um, uh-huh as ever it's always kind of impossible to gauge how many people there are and all that. like you know is the story talking about hundreds of thousands of you know jews on the move or like 12 yeah. of them who could say there's always like the confusion too is it like do these people have a penchant for exaggerating or they're actually more people and they kind of just cap out at like if there's more than ten thousand people it's obviously a million people yeah like a million for them is not a specific number but it's just a huge amount yeah um yeah so then basically he goes to war with another set of kings and they make a point that they're able to launch a surprise attack while they're getting their army together and they can complete they kind of like completely obliterate every single city except for like one um and then there's just like a giant kill list of the kings that they killed um and how the land was distributed amongst the tribes Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really, and that's where the the section sort of ends. And there's not much to that other than the fact that like there's some good names in there. Oh, drop them. Um, oh, I didn't write any down because I thought oh. you guys would maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I remember one is Megiddo. Megiddo is a great name. <laughs> Megiddo. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's another one where I was not reading it like that. But now that you're saying it, it is Megiddo. What did you read it as? I, you know, I didn't really. I never really got this far as pronouncing it. I just kind of took the letters and allowed that, you know, I just was like, okay, well, M-A-G-E-D-O is added again. <laughs> Megiddo. I don't know. I thought it would be more like Israeli, like Magedo. There's the king of Shimron Moran. Hell yeah. 
the king of Dor in the coast of Dor. What is this, Dor City? Um, yeah. I think um, I have a couple thoughts on this chapter. Um, I think, once again, we're getting a lot of uh, spectacular violence. Uh, like, it's not just a matter of... Even with, like, setting aside the, th- the theory you were talking about, Ayani, of, like, what... Mm-hmm might have actually been happening historically, like on a narrative level, they're going through great pains to like show that this is not just about like, Oh, they wanted this city. So they conquered it. Then they won. It's like, they wanted it. They sent this message. They did something really crazy. They hung the King from the tree. They built this mound of stones on top of something. It was there forever. So it's kind of establishing within the story that, you know, the kingdom is ascendant and like, you know, the Jews are here to here to stay. Um, and I kind of think it's an interesting, I mean, we kind of just artificially read this like next batch of verses, but I couldn't help but, you know, see side by side. There's like um, a whore who does the wrong thing and gets like smote brutally and killed. And that's someone from within the tribe going against God. And then pretty much the same thing happens to people who meet the Jews externally. Um, and I think it's just once again coming to the the lesson of many of these chapters, which is just kind of like, you know, fuck around and find out. It's like if you go against what God says, like you're, you know, doesn't matter if you're one of us or one of them, uh, you, you're done. I think it kind of serves as an illustration of your point, too, of like basically what this is, is like this is kind of also what we said before. This is like you heard the theory in the Torah and now this is like the practical uh-huh. history, right? Yeah. So it's like, remember when we lost that battle? That was because someone took some Babylonish fucking clothes. And yeah. Like, that's why you never fucking, that's why you don't fucking talk back to God, dude. That's why you don't care about your own shit. They make the peace or the slavery peace. I don't really want to call it peace with the Hivites, right? And then immediately after that, like I didn't use the language because it's not that interesting, but they're talking about how like all the kings had their hearts hardened by God to like attack the Israelites. And that's almost oh, like, yeah. yeah, look, like that's the consequence. Like I didn't tell you to make peace with these people. So now you got to fight mm-hmm. five of them at the same time. Yeah. And also the hearts hardened was a, that was a classic feature of the Exodus story where it's like, God keeps hardening yep. Pharaoh's heart until it's just, I mean, just astoundingly hard. Beyond pistachio. <laughs> Beyond. <laughs> Is a pistachio the hardest thing you can think of? <laughs> Off the top of your head? What's the hardest material now, known to man? Pistachio. Now that I've said pistachio, yeah. it's not. But when beyond, I said it, it was. But beyond, but you said beyond pistachio, though. So you're talking about something even harder. Just um, somehow, well, some way. Yeah. So, but even harder than a pistachio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just pistachio shell's pretty hard. Um, if yeah, it's not pre-cracked. Still, you can still chew on it. <laughs> you absolutely cannot. What the fuck are you talking about? What have you chewed on a pistachio shell? Chew on a pistachio shell. It's it's not good for you. It'll hurt you, but... So that's why you are the way you are. What? Got strong-ass teeth? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's because I work out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, he did the same hardening of hearts in in Exodus. And, you know, all just to kind of prove the point of, like, here's the power I have. Here's the power you could have if you listen to me. Wait, whose heart did he harden in this story? The kings who wanted to... Who had it out for for the Jews. It's hard to say because this is like a lot of extrapolation. It sounds like the other kings of the area are like meeting and talking about like what to do about the problem. And presumably at at some of these meetings, someone is like, well, maybe we should just kind of see if we can like strike a deal with them 
and then like they can kind of have the land they have already and then we can just chill out and then god kind of comes in and is like no 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 uh-huh like reasonable people might concede to that <laughs> as yeah. being the solution yeah in the same way that like w- well we can't let the israelites get out of egypt yet because i haven't gotten my party ready right right and like not everyone's coming if if you do the show where there's no audience did the show even happen Mm-hmm. If a bear shits in the wood, does a tree fall and make a sound? Yeah, if nobody even got splattered by watermelon, was there <laughs> exactly. a show? Gala, 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 gala. Um, I find it kind of depressing. I mean, we've hit on this point, you know, numerous times uh, at this stage. But um, the fact that this is not a story about, like, everyone seeing the light of our great religion or whatever, but it's just like, we showed up, we annihilated everybody, and then then we were there. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's definitely exerting power through uh, fear in the reader, in a sense, rather than uh, persuasion. I don't think it's it's for nothing either that, like, a primary thrust of this book and, like, all the holy texts we've read so far, a primary thrust is not showing other people how cool this religion is, but showing the people who are in the religion how cool the religion is yeah and what happens if you try to leave (laughs) yeah it's like constantly it's not trying to prove it to the like the canaanites right like they're just casualties it's trying to be like look this is what we do we're we're big hot shots because again it's very insular in a way these books are the foundation of judaism and like christianity and like those are the primary means of within our culture and upbringing that we experience religiousness so it shouldn't be that shocking, but it is like I didn't know that so much of this was just trying to be like, no, dude, this is really cool. No, like mm-hmm. stop paying attention to all the other stuff. This is like really the shit. Like you, you just you don't understand it. You just gotta get into it. Yeah, and I, it's so hard not to just see it with our current, our present era goggles and be like, who the fuck would this convince? But like I don't know if you, I my I could maybe be terrified into believing this in another time in history. Especially if I didn't have physical access to the text and someone was just telling me this as the facts. Like, and by the way, this guy who stole the cloak, he was burnt alive. I would believe that. I mean, yeah, I feel like that probably happened in real life that people stole cloaks and got burned alive. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like... Oh, you want to be warm? (laughs) (laughs) There you go, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's like the text is like saying all this crazy shit that's like a lot of it's not true. But then it's like it's also saying like if you disobey, you will be burned alive. And it's like, well, you actually might because it's such a self-fulfilling thing that like Mm -hmm. you probably will be burned alive because people want to burn you alive. This is making me think of an interesting thing about uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez and magical realism, like the literary style he's famous for. Um, And apparently he didn't like that he was so associated with that. And he's like, yeah, most of the crazy shit I wrote about just actually happened in the places where I lived. And so I'm kind of now wondering, like, maybe a way to more charitably interpret the Torah is like, you know, kind of it gets at like what it was like psychically to be alive back then. We're just like, oh, you know, a crazy storm came in and did just kill like thousands of people, you know. I don't know, just, like, crazy stuff happened and, like, there were interesting kind of big swings and dynamics that, like, we probably just can't even really comprehend. And so they would maybe feel a little less magical and fantastical, like a killer storm or... 
Sure. I don't know. And also that so, we're getting a greatest hits, no matter how you slice it. Like, they're not going to write down, yeah. like... And then God said, this peeved me just a little bit, so I ruined <laughs> yeah. a little bit of your cabbage patch. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and I also just, while you were talking to, and just talking about how, like, probably a lot of that stuff did happen in a, in a certain sense of, like, that kind yeah. of punishment. I've never really thought about it, but there is a certain utility to being within the ruling class that talks to God that also has an incredibly unpredictable like godhead figure of which you technically uh-huh. derive your authority from. <laughs> yeah it's like we'll see if we get the nice god the mean god i mean there is a certain amount of fear and control you can actually exert over people just by being completely chaotic in the way you approach everything but totally totally they like can never be comfortable them like, on their just like hey i'm sorry yeah. god like I, I i took a little bit of silver uh, you know, from the thingy, and it's okay, and you can be like, all right, you gave the silver back, that's fine, very magnanimous, and then someone says the same mm-hmm. thing about a goat, and is like, well, probably we are going to sink Australia now. Like, there's, <laughs> a, <laughs> Most there's a value yeah, I mean, to that. You, yeah, for sure. I mean, even within this chapter, there's like, you know, some people who go up against the Jews get like, you know, killed them all, salt the earth so that nothing may grow there. And some of them are like, well, you know, you tricked us and then we made a promise to you. So now we're going to protect you. Yeah, sometimes it's that like sitcom logic where it's like, you know, you're pretty, you're all right. Like we had our little episode where we disagreed and then you got one over on me and now I respect you. So, yeah. I was also thinking, the thing you were just saying, Ayani, about how... The like having this the ruling class that's talking to God, like how they navigate having an unpredictable God. I was also just thinking about the fact that like since there probably is no God, like how often was it just them being unpredictable themselves and being like, yeah, God's really on one today. <laughs> yeah, God well, is wilding, I mean. but uh, yeah, okay, all right. Um, yeah. A related like, point that yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say is like you can you could there. You have probably a, a, a council or whoever, like, who is in charge of making all these decisions and whatever. And, like, they are as human as anyone else, as we know. So, like, it, if there's really strict rules about how things operate, it can seem insane, for example, that this guy took the stuff from the thing, which he wasn't supposed to do, but he comes and he says he's sorry. It would seem insane if you're like, well, isn't the punishment for this supposed to be that he just goes out of the camp for a few days? And, like, mm-hmm. has to wash himself? Like, why did we, like, stone him and hang him? Like, that that creates dissent, right? Like, we experience yeah. it in our society with unjust rulings and stuff where you go, hey, there's supposed to be, like, rules here, right? And that feels yeah. like it's t- kind of inappropriate to the crime. Uh-huh. But if there's no rules, it doesn't matter what it is. It's what you're saying, John. It's like, oh, yeah, this today, God was on one today. Uh, you know, you stole you stole a goat, so... Now no you and family. like all your cousins are gonna stone you to death. Um, yeah. I this on a related point. Uh, I was chatting uh, with a friend of mine the other day who's a, a smart fella and a librarian, and he reminded me of something that was just that like almost everything that's happened in human history, the people just doing it were drunk. Like everyone, like <laughs> you know, like like just people would have just been drunk. Forever <laughs> making so many important decisions. Were people drunker 
before than they are now? Like, well, I think that wasn't there just a sense of like clean water was not as easy to access, but alcohol kept better and you could make it out of plants and like, yeah, people were just kind of drunk all the time. One of the reasons that ever since it was started being like the data was being collected, you can look at like drinking rates in the US and they've steadily been going down over like the course of the the country's existence and part of that is also just like water purification technology becoming a thing it's also like it's not the same kind of product like lots of people back in the day would drink like soft and hard beer and soft beer is like Mm -hmm. probably one percent alcohol and it's mostly water and it's just it's a little safer to drink and you you know whatever and then there's hard beer which is actually supposed to get you drunk so there's probably like a lot of that but also even if you're sipping on soft beer from 8 a.m it's 11 p.m. and you've just been kind of putting them down all day. You've had like one roll for yeah. like the whole day. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're probably just like dehydrated, and you're like you know plowing a field by hand. You're probably sauced. <laughs> yeah. By the time you're sitting down to go write the big book of God and all that shit, you're probably yeah. having a little bit of trouble seeing straight. Yeah. Damn. So like Abraham Lincoln, drunk. That's probably why that hat was so tall. Had to keep keep tall cans underneath there, you know. <laughs> One forty on his head. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I feel like people were probably drinking in Congress, like on the floor. I can picture some that glasses. rocks. All of them are not all yeah. of them, but like uh-huh. I think more than you would uh, perhaps be comfortable with. With nope, thinking about not me. Uh huh. I'd be comfortable with a lot. <laughs> I don't know. The real question is like how drunk they were. Is like our yeah. Is our benchmark Richard Nixon? <laughs> right? Like drunk enough that everyone around him knows that like you can't listen to what he, you can't listen to the words that he says. You have to get the tone. Uh-huh. Drunk like mass paranoia drunk or yeah. Yeah. Or just a little bit like cuz like hey listen man. When I get the first bump of warmth like that would be you know if everyone just had that much you know goodwill to all men like I do and I have like a little to drink like yeah maybe Not everyone be... is you Josh. I got to say. <laughs> well, you can say that again. No. Um I do like the idea of like them sitting down in the meeting and like the first class they're just like look, what we got to do is write a book about how we all got to get along. And how basically <laughs> there is no real separation between man. And uh-huh. we have to sort of understand that all of this have to be in this together to create a world that resembles paradise. And then by the third yeah. one, they're like, look, you got to understand, there's some peoples who can't live with each other. Fuck <laughs> the Amorites. <laughs> like, you would say that. <laughs> you ever fucking talk to an Amorite? You ever fucking talk to one of these guys? For two seconds, you realize all they give a shit about. All they give a shit about. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He was an Amorite. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was an Amorite doctor. <laughs> they don't want me to say what kind of doctor it was. But it was an Amorite doctor. Yeah. I only let I only let Jebusites handle my money. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting really, yeah. The I wheels mean, are coming off, yeah, folks. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much more there is to say on this one. I'm just kind no. of fascinated by this drunk, this drunk talk. Like the, how? Yeah. Like, were they just like just passing around a handle while they're walking through the freaking the freaking desert? 
trying to find the promised land. I think it's it's that, and then also want to caution against like there are the people who are always going to be like, yeah, man, every big decision was just because people were stoned or drunk, man. Where it's like it's probably <laughs> just somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Right. For every teetotaler who who can't, for every Richard Nixon, there's going to be someone who's like triply as calculating who's like oh i can probably get this guy to say something fucked up that gets me more power who doesn't drink you know yeah he's just a fucking dry salty bitch (laughs) i would also i would guess too that like in addition to people maybe just being a little buzzed throughout all of history there's also just like everyone was just sort of exhausted and like malnourished just probably hungry. Like haven't shit like unshowered, like just like sticky, yeah, just kind of like uncomfortable. You know, after irritable. Well, not like everyone, but I mean, just to think that like you know, everyone wasn't having all of their bodily needs met. Everyone like always had just gotten back from Burning Man, and just like <laughs> had sand in their craw. <laughs> their craw. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. They don't make the cross like they make them in Missouri. Mm. Um. <laughs> well, uh, if we don't have that much more to say on this portion, I do have an, a Gallagher update. The thing I was saying about his brother, I... What do you he, mean? Uh, he's dead. He's not doing anything else. He's back. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's, that was actually fake. No. Um, my buddy, DNA, former guest of the podcast made a long post about Gallagher and I want to read it because it touches on something that I mentioned earlier and it's very funny. Here we go. Fire away. All right. Here's my Gallagher. Here's my Gallagher story. First of all, back in 1980, seeing a comedy special in your home was pretty unique and it might've been HBO or Showtime. Uh, Okay. Okay. I saw Gallagher in a very enhanced mood and it was pure shtick. Two years later, I saw a poster that Gallagher was going to be in Jersey, and I brought a date and set up close covered in plastic. Foreshadowing, but the word Gallagher was huge on the poster. First act was Harry Anderson, pre-Night Court Day. Second was a very young Stephen Wright. Then the headliner came out, and it was definitely not the guy from the special. It was his brother who did the same act, but walked half the audience because he was not the person who we paid to see. On the way out, I looked at the poster, and in the tiniest of letters under Gallagher, it said Ron. (laughs) R.I.P. dipshit. Sorry your brain got so scrambled you stopped being funny and just became mean and bitter. (laughs) So That is pretty funny. That's our buddy's DNA's uh, tribute to Gallagher. And yeah, I remember hearing that he just would... It's kind of like an MF Doom situation, but he would just uh, send his brother to do his act for him. I really hope... Wait, did um, he send his brother to do his act, or... Did his brother just kind of get in on a con? Oh, you think his bro- You think it was his brother stealing? No, I kind of feel like he sent his brother to send do his act. That's kind of the like vibe that, I got from that. That time Hannibal Burris hired some random guy to just be him at the Spider-Man premiere? <laughs> yes, kind of like that. <laughs> gotcha. I really hope when I'm gone, no one writes the words R.I.P. dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that too. That's pretty stinging. <laughs> I think you're living your life in such a way that that will not happen. Yeah. Well, life is long, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life People is long change. until it's short is a good way yeah. of putting that. That's what Gallagher. That's what I learned from Gallagher. Uh, wow, he sure did smash a lot of melons. I'm glad I know about him now. <laughs> he c- confirmed smash tens of thousands of melons. I feel like he's just another one of those like, it, it's like these little blips in time 
that like you if you're not aware of you totally miss them and it's totally fine but it's just like oh yeah i guess there was at some point a very popular comedian who the crux of his act was he smashed watermelons <laughs> and people fucking loved it yeah i mean i would hope it, it came at the end imagine i can't imagine trying to do like 20 more minutes after the the watermelon's yeah. been smashed i just would love if he did that in some sort of performance already slighted vain and was like weeping and it was just like, is this what you want? Like bread and circus? And then just like <laughs> smash this thing. Like I think that I would, I would fuck with that. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun if he debuted it as he was like getting an award and they were like, all right, we just want you to do like five minutes of jokes and then like walk off stage. And yeah. Like, comes and out. The, maybe we'll do a Neo Gallagher thing, but paint your own face on the watermelon and then just demolish it in front of the audience. Is this what you wanted? Yeah. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. You should do um, that in one of your little skits, John. Oh, maybe. Maybe yeah. I'll do it with like a... I'll do it on a mic. I'll get like one of those tiny watermelons and then smash it with like, I don't know, a tiny hammer. <laughs> you should put tiny. the video on YouTube and then you can send it to Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> jimmy.kimmel at aol.com well, maybe play your video on the jimmy kimmel show i mean that has happened before america's um, funniest jimmy kimmel we all he is, know he really america is america loves jimothy <laughs> jimothy kimmel well i uh, i feel like i'm mostly out of things to say yep we're at jimothy <laughs> yeah we're done. much like uh much like Mr. Gallagher, he's uh, that's enough. That's enough, Mr. Gallagher. No more today. R.I.P. Dipshits, but uh, our ideas on this one. R.I.P. Dipshits. That's actually yep. a pretty good. Uh, I'm going to ask DNA if we can use that as our sign off. Uh huh. Yep. All right, guys. Rest in <laughs> instead of like see you guys later. See you later, listeners. Like uh. All right. Rest in peace, dipshits. Um. <laughs> If you if, if you know if you're still listening, guess what? You can you can email us any of your questions at smitemepodcast at gmail dot com. Oh, maybe you're like, I want to figure out what's going on. There's an Instagram page. Fucking find out that shit. Oh, you can also mm. follow us on on a podcasting things <laughs> things that resemble podcasts, <laughs> like the one by Apple, Apple Podcasts, and then Spotify, and then there's also other ones. I'm a pitch yeah. man now. Pitch. And if you know about any like weird fucked up Jewish movies. I think you got to send that to us because that's really uh, more and more becoming uh, our niche. It's becoming something we like to do. We just did two Bible episodes back to back. And guess what? Now I remember why we don't usually do that. Shit's boring. So send us some movies where the politics are just all the fuck over the place and there's explosions. I, um... I will be going out of the country for a little bit, but I am hoping to come back with at least two episodes for us to do. Recorded? <laughs> no. No, but recently. Either Ioni 